I've got a few really strong memories from when I was a little guy in school. In particular, one from one of the first days of school in the third grade, coming back after summer vacation. And I remember we were given a spelling test, and it was one of those where the teacher read off a word, you know, and you have to write it down. And I remember when she said the word, you ready for this? Of. And I was a third grader, and it just made sense to me, of course, of, to UV. Um, and so that's what I wrote down, was UV. And I remember, you know, writing that out, and in some ways it didn't feel completely right, but it's like, yeah, this is the way that it sounds. This is the way it's supposed to be. And I'll tell you, I mean, it was very oppressive and hurtful when that test came back and the teacher had marked that wrong. I mean, I wanted to express myself in that particular unique way of spelling of, but actually, of course, it's a work of mercy to let me know, no, no, little Johnny, it is not of UV, but it is spelled OF. And to be fair, to this very day, I do spell it correctly. So maybe the occasional extra F with an off, but you know, we do our best. But it's one of those things where, you know, when you look at that, and something so basic, it, it's funny, I don't remember any other words on that spelling test, but it was something about that correction that it sticks with you forever. And in a lot of ways, correction can be an incredible mercy in the end. And today, you know, our Lord with this incredible back and forth with the Nicodemus, in fact, we kind of pick up in the gospel today in the midst of their conversation. It begins back at the beginning of chapter 3. We pick up at verse 14 today. And it tells us that unique element that Nicodemus has come to him at night. And Jesus tells him that he has to be born again, you know, or born from above. And they have the conversation about baptism. And then finally about Jesus telling him that just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert. Now, it's an interesting allusion and I wanted to share with you, because it's only about five verses, it's a scene from the Israelites making their way through the desert, and it's recounted in the book of Numbers. So we're a little bit later on in the first five books of the Bible. I mean, this is book number four. And so the Israelites have been at this for a while. They had all the signs in Egypt that, you know, got them out of Pharaoh's grasp. The Red Sea has been divided. They've been led by you know, fire by day, or cloud by day, fire by night. They've been given the commandments. They've seen so much. They've been given manna and quail and water and everything else. And here's Numbers 21, verses 4 to 9. From Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water. We loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit any man, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. 
So it's an interesting sort of, you know, happening in the desert there that, you know, they've been in this relationship with God, with Moses for a while. And actually just before this scene, Moses is finally at the point of just being like, I'm done, I'm upset, you know, and it kind of goes bad between him and God. But you see what's happening. It's like they just keep complaining. They just don't seem to get it. We even see it in the first reading today from the book of Chronicles. In those days, all the princes of Judah, the priests and the people, added infidelity to infidelity, practicing all the abominations of the nations and polluting the Lord's temple. And the thing is, we have a hard time learning, right? We can all fall into that trap. And just like it was an act of mercy for my teacher to mark UV wrong and for me to learn how to spell the word of, kind of fundamental, we use it a lot. You know, in the same way, when you look at the people moving through the desert time and again, getting impatient, you look at the whole history of ancient Israel, adding infidelity to infidelity, the trouble is for us, we all fall into this trap, right? I mean, there's a reason why confession is not a one and done sort of a thing, that we offer it every day except Sunday after the daily mass and only not on Sunday because I'm one guy. If we get like three more priests, we'll even offer it on Sunday, right? I mean, we'll do everything that we can because we all sort of fall into this trap of forgetting what's going on, of forgetting the fact that God is with us, that he's leading us through, as it says in the Salve Regina, this valley of tears, that he has not just abandoned us to ourself. And when you look at the symbolism in the desert in what's going on in the book of Numbers, it's almost as though they're complaining and complaining and notice who he gives them over to, right? The fiery serpent. It's like, fine, if you don't want me, here's the serpent, right? You can have him if that's really the way that you want this. And for us, when we turn our back on God, when we refuse to do the right thing, when we get impatient, it's almost like, look, if you want to go and be in the darkness, be with the devil, it is a choice. You can go that way. But the beautiful thing about our faith is that it's even better now, obviously, than it was in the book of Numbers. He doesn't just sort of abandon us to our fallenness and our impatience. And look at this, like, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And we know what that means. We know what's coming. I mean, you can look over there at the 12th station. You can look right over here, just above the tabernacle. You can look over here, you know, facing from Mary, the crucifix from the old church. Our Lord is lifted up for us, lays down, our, lays down his life for us. And for us to look upon him who is lifted up on our behalf. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that everyone who believes in him might not perish but might have eternal life. And during this season, it's important that we don't just sort of allow in our lives a covering over of when we spell of UV, right? That we don't just sort of say, you know, I'm fine. It doesn't really matter. I can just be bitter. I can just sort of, you know, treat people the way I want to, like garbage, you know, that I can just sort of do whatever I want online or do all these sort of things because that's who I am and that's the way I want to live my life. But the trouble is, is if we just continue on in that, if we just sort of continue on in bitterness, in patience, in turning our back on our Lord, as it says in what sounds to our modern ears like very harsh language, you know, whoever does not believe in him 
has already been condemned. Because the fact of the matter is, yes, his arms are wide open to us. He has laid down his life for us, given us everything. And the glory of this season, and part of why I'm wearing pink right now, is the fact that we ultimately know that death and sin do not win. That when he lays down his life, he will ultimately be victorious. But the important thing is, is that we give our whole selves over to him, that we look upon him and let that affect every single thing in our life. That we don't try to hold on to our sins, try to pretend that they're right and just sort of go along in life with that, but rather to live in the light of his love. To let that light shine into every corner of our life. To not keep anything hidden, anything just to ourselves, but to recognize that fact that he came so that we might have eternal life. And how blessed we are that that's the way that he goes about things. That it's even better than just a bronze serpent lifted up in the desert. To see the results of our sin. To see that when we spell of UV, it's not correct. Someday someone's going to think you're talking about sunscreen when you're just trying to tell them about, you know, where you came from. I'm John of Salisbury, right? You know, that ultimately we need the truth that our Lord gives us. That to sit on our sins, to sit in darkness, is not our happiness. That ultimately we need him in our life. That we need to see that he has done all of this for us. And to let him in. To let him shine that light even when it's painful. Even when we've been holding on to things that we know are not the way that we ought to go. And that's the glory of this season. Even if... It's difficult, even if it's hard to recognize everything that he's done for us, still, my brothers and sisters in Christ, it's so much better than living in the darkness. We know throughout, you know, looking at the history of mankind and even looking at the history of our own lives, we can be like those Israelites. We can be like those people in Chronicles. We can continue to be impatient, to complain, to be upset, to just recognize everything that's so bad when really, I mean, look behind me right now. The sun is shining through the windows, right? We are surrounded by wonderful people a year to the day after we went into lockdown. We know that ultimately good things happen, that God is with us, that yes, it requires patience. Yes, to follow him involves denying ourselves and taking up our crosses, but it beats the hell out of darkness. That ultimately our Lord being with us, laying down his life, clinging to him and letting him bring into the light those fallen aspects of our life is so good. And it's during this season of Lent that we're called into that. And that's why on this day, this fourth Sunday, as we move towards the Paschal celebration, we're just a few weeks out from celebrating the great Paschal feast of Easter, in which we recognize that God has loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son, him who laid down his life for us, him who leads us out of sin and darkness into his eternal life. As he's lifted up on the cross, look upon him. Come to him every single day. And I highly recommend, make sure you have a crucifix up in each room of your house. Wear one around your neck. Keep one close that you can look on all the time to recognize what he's done for you. That love that he has shown for you. 
Not to leave you abandoned in darkness. Not to leave you to your own effects. Not to leave you to spell things in whatever way you see fit, right? To ultimately lead you to the love that he has given to us. My brothers and sisters in Christ, it is so good. He has given this to us. Let's not add infidelity to infidelity. Let's not continue on in impatience. Let's look to the one who has laid down his life for us, the one who is lifted up for us, and to let him lead us out of darkness into his eternal life. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.